Coming up on Leading Edge. Techno stress is really created through that speed of communication. If you just think about where the information overload that we're getting through all of the different apps that we have, might it be through social media or just news apps, apps that we use for work, anything really. This is Leading Edge, a Henley Business School podcast. Welcome to Leading Edge from Henley Business School. I'm Thomas Mason. In this third series, we're discussing topics as varied as how do we create the right kind of digital disruption? Uh, Is green finance the new black? How the pandemic has caused a great reset in customer experience and the rise of the activist leader. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Caroline Rook, who's an assistant professor in leadership at Henley Business School. She works with a number of organisations in the pharmaceutical and banking sectors on creating healthy work practices. And it's our health of a digital kind we're going to explore today with our topic, techno stress, finding the off switch. Caroline, welcome. Thank you very much, Thomas. Lovely to have you, Caroline. Um, this, this topic then of of techno stress, um, I, I think we we get, we get a sense of of what it means, but but um, it's not not actually a term I'd heard of. So maybe you could just tell us a bit more about uh, what what techno stress is. Of course, yeah. Techno stress is is defined as as the difficulty with coping with the constant demands of the tech devices that we now use to stay in touch with family and friends and, of course, to to work. So we really rely now on digital communication technologies to get our work done and indeed, as I said, to to touch base with, with anyone in our lives, really. And actually, the the term or, or this concept, um, they're quite old. It, it was... Um, well, created in 1984 by an American psychologist called Craig Broad. And he basically talked about the challenges of of dealing with technology and and back then the rapid changes in technologies. If you you translate that then to the world of 2021, uh, it's more about, you know, can I use the latest app? Is that right? Now it's... Not so much, as you said, about how do we keep up with the latest hardware developments and even not so much the latest software developments because we're quite tech-savvy now, aren't we? If if I think about my son, for example, who is uh, turning uh, two uh, in a couple of weeks, I mean, he knows it's pretty scary how to swipe on an iPad. I mean, might also say a little bit about my parenting skills. But um, (laughs) but, I've seen lots of two-year-olds been amazed how they just seem to fit these things sure up. so so really for for us now techno stress is really created through through that speed of um, communication that is coming our way and and information if you just think about in a way the information overload that we're getting through all of the different apps that that we have might it be through social media or just news apps apps that we use for work anything really and and of course as i already mentioned um, really respecting or, or managing our own personal versus uh, professional boundaries 
you know, we are reachable 24-7 on, well, on our laptops, smartphones. So how do we manage that we switch off? Yeah, so that, that we don't constantly yeah. get that ping for, from a work email, for example, but equally. And again, studies, quite a few studies have shown that technology really affects also our ability to go to sleep and, and, and stay asleep. Can I put the phone down before I go to bed, you know, without checking my Instagram or whatever it might be? At the same time, I think what people are increasingly finding stressful, as, as you said, Thomas, particularly now that many people have worked in, in a complete virtual setting during the pandemic, is, is to... Think about which platform is the best to use for, for the, the task in a way, right? So, I mean, if I just think about myself, I mean, I have email, then I have um, MS Teams, then I have all sorts of, of other communication apps on my work laptop. And it is stressful trying to keep up with requests that are coming from either and which one is urgent, which one can wait, what are the, the expectations really. And at the same time, people are more and more reporting this pressure to be visible, right? So if you don't have a LinkedIn account, do you exist? <laughs> if you're not on Facebook or Instagram, do you, do you first of all keep up with your friends? I mean, I'm I'm not on Facebook or Instagram, and there are lots of things that I don't know about what friends are up to because this is where it's all shared. So this visibility also seems something that is quite new, again in comparison to 1984. Yeah, I suppose visibility and identity, and you know, actually, you might be slightly different people on some of these networks. You've got a professional image on LinkedIn, you know, on on, on Instagram, there might be this pressure to show that you're living this great life or on LinkedIn is that you're a super professional with a stellar profile I suppose what is the reality behind the lens uh, of all this technology now Caroline I understand you've done some research into how techno stress affects people with all sorts of different personality types Yes, yeah. So that was a really fascinating piece of research looking at people with different personality profiles and, and how that affects their ability to, well, to work effectively with technology uh, in, in the workplace. This whole piece around introversion, extroversion, it's about how do I recharge my batteries? I mean, you know, someone with extroversion, how, how do they relax while they go out and, and meet lots of people or if they can't do that thinking about the pandemic they call lots of friends that that's how they recharge but they also uh, therefore use um, communication technology in, in a very different way so what we found in our research as I said looking at how digital communication technology is used at work introverts um, actually experience less stress in, in comparison to extroverts. And actually, it's interesting. Uh, we, we found that introverts said, well, actually, it allows me to, to take part in conversations where I might have found it a little bit more difficult to join in. Yeah. So again, think about a meeting where you have a bunch of extroverts that can't wait to, to share their sure. opinion and experiences. Then you have an introvert who typically first sits back and, and thinks about what they want to say and, and, and then join. For, for them, um, those digital platforms were quite useful because uh, they 
they were able then to plan and control a little bit what they say and, and contribute and, and be seen. On the other hand, people with high levels of extroversion, they um, had more techno, experienced more techno stress because they found it quite hard to disconnect. Because they draw energy yeah, from, from being social, they find it quite hard to disconnect and, and therefore experience more techno stress. Thinking about, and I don't know how it is for you, Thomas, but you know, on days where I really crave that social interaction, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not very productive because I'm constantly on my email, checking, responding to people, and that constantly interrupts what I'm doing. So I'm actually less productive. So it's, it's not just about disconnecting um, at the end of, of a busy day, but indeed also how do I get my work done? And interruption is, 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 is a massive, massive issue um, that technology creates for us. I mean, just having your phone on your side cr yeah. creates a distraction because something exciting might come on, uh, up on it. <laughs> And that, that gives us a reward, doesn't it? A hit of dopamine. Um, I suppose if, to, to answer that back then, Caroline, at you, I, I would say my personal approach to it, how I deal with techno stress, and bear in mind that I'm a journalist, so it's not actually my job to know what's going on in the world. I can't just switch off permanently yeah. and expect to be effective at you know, reporting on the news, writing on the news. But for me, um, I quite like a lot of information but I, I, like, I filter it quite carefully. I manage my notifications carefully. I, I do actually scroll through a chunk of them when I wake up, but that's having put my phone on do not disturb mm -hmm. mode at night. Mm -hmm. uh, if, it, if I have a holiday or if I'm off for the weekend, uh, and I don't want to go back to the office to a huge stack of emails that I've switched off from. So for me, it's a sort of drip feed of information that works. So for me, it's thinking carefully about, about what, I, what I want and when. I certainly think you're right. You're onto something with this idea that, you know, we, we might have handled email, but then we've got to think about notifications from Teams or, or different apps. And it can be stressful just, can't it, just to think about all those different ones. And it's, it's easy perhaps to miss a notification on one app because, um, you know, we, 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 we thought we were looking somewhere else and how that person would usually contact us. Yeah, and I think that, that then comes back to managing expectations or, or really yeah. coming up with a plan. So how are we effectively using digital communication technology um, at work? So we are now talking about personal preferences. And as we said, you know, personality plays a role, but, you know, just, just generally, I guess, also what, what our job is like. Um, but then it also comes back to then let's say a manager of a team kind of acknowledging that that people have different preferences or needs and and, and how they can use this communication technology in an effective yeah. manner so it's really about you managing your own boundaries so that it works for you but equally also for uh, managers or organizations to think about well how can we make sure that people know what, what's expected and in terms of response time and so forth, so that it allows them to work effectively based on, on their own personality profiles and preferences also. Sure, and there have been some experiments, haven't there, from some German car companies, automakers, uh, on this whole idea of a sort of mail-on-holiday policy, which might might suit you, Carolina. I think it's <laughs> Daimler, the company, a couple of years ago, they, they did this thing where if you were if you wanted to be on holiday and take some time off, if you didn't want to get that 
overflowing inbox. Um, they wouldn't just not give you the drip feed. They'd actually automatically delete all of those emails for you. So I think the idea, according to Dr. Daimler, uh, was that if I were to email a Daimler employee who's on holiday, uh, I would get a three-option response. So option one, I'm told my email's been deleted. Okay, I might not be very happy about that. <laughs> um, two, I've got the option to email a colleague if it's an emergency. Uh, or option three, uh, email again once the employee has returned to work. Good idea? Uh, yes and no. Because I think, <laughs> so, so first of all, the approach by, by Daimler, what they experimented with a few years back to, to delete messages. And again, there were also several organizations all over the world that said, you know, after working hours, the emails are deleted. It, it, it's a good idea to kind of protect that time to, to recharge your battery so that you're back at work the next day you know, f fully recharge and then again, that you use the vacation to relax. On the other hand, I think it it is our responsibility, it's our personal responsibility to to disconnect. Right? So we're, we're not just talking here about work email. I mean, again, lots of studies have shown that we we are not sleeping as well as we used mm. to because of, of that blue light that comes from the screen because we are checking our Instagram or Facebook feed yet, yet, yet again. So I think it's, it's also on the side of the employee to think about how do I want to look after myself? How, how do I want to make this technology work for me and not, not the other way around? I think we kind of see these technology devices as, as great helpers, but I sometimes have the feeling that they, you know, they can very easily take over your life. Thanks for um, your concern about about me getting a proper break. <laughs> I do appreciate that. I certainly do. If I, if I don't entirely switch off, because I find entirely switching off a bit stressful, I certainly reduce the flow, uh, and I do like to get through a big stack of stack of novels if I possibly can. Um, I gather you've also developed, Caroline, a rather novel approach to measuring uh, techno stress. Uh, and, you, and you've done that with an analogy to how we measure the health of newborn babies. So tell us more about yeah, that. Yeah, so, so together with colleagues of mine, we, we developed an approach to, to um, kind of gather stress in general, actually, because what we found, particularly working with senior leaders, that that stress is still a bit of a taboo topic. Even though during the pandemic now we are talking a lot more about mental health, well-being, stress and resilience, which is really great. Um, but we, we sometimes also um, are not quite honest with ourselves how stressed we, we might actually be so that there might be a little bit um, of, of denial. But quite often it it is hard um, for, for others around you, in particular if, if you think about managers to, to tell how someone in your team is doing. So, so we actually thought about, um, as you said, Thomas, the neonatal APGAR. Now, the APGAR is, is a really quick way of the, the midwife or doctor to tell as soon as, as the baby is born, whether the baby is showing all of the vital signs of life. Yeah. So is the baby 
breathing okay and, and so forth. And they're not experts, let's say, in lung functioning, um, but they have a fair sense of, you know, how should the breathing sound? And, and so in just a really quick way, without using any tools or doing a diagnosis as such, they're just checking for red warning flags. Is the baby okay or not? And if, if there's something not quite right, then they look a little bit further or indeed refer the baby on to a specialist. Great. So, so APGAR, A-P-G-A-R, um, that stands for Appearance, Pulse, Grimace, Activity and Respiration. Interesting what you say, that you don't necessarily need to be an expert to see that those signs are valid in, in some people. Um, I believe then that you've found a way of reinventing the, the APGAR acronym for the techno stress world. What have you come up with? Yeah, so for the stress world in, in, in general, but you're absolutely right, Thomas, t- techno stress, particularly now during the pandemic, plays, plays a big, big role in in our general stress experience. So we came up with the stress APGAR and uh, basically said, well, A also stands for appearance. So um, basically the the physical side of, of your stress. So you can just look at someone and even if you don't know them very well, even if you just see them on the screen, you can tell pretty well whether someone is looking increasingly tired. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, we all have days where, where we look a bit tired. That, that's absolutely fine. But if if this is the case for two weeks or longer, then this might be a sign that there is something going on, right? That stress might be becoming a little bit too much. Now, there are all, also all sorts of, of other signs in terms of appearance. So some people start gaining weight, others lose weight and so forth. So then P is, stands for performance. And that basically means, so let's think about someone who usually has really creative, innovative ideas, keeps to deadlines, and you as their manager are starting to see that this is slipping, right? They're not really contributing that much in, in meetings in terms of ideas. They get their work done, but quality is, is not what it used to be. Or again, they, they keep on asking for extensions. Now, again, we, we all experience challenging and stressful times. That's fine. But again, if that happens increasingly and repeatedly, and if, if, if in a way, if you can see a change of pattern, now again, that, that's a red warning flag. And you might want to look a little bit deeper in, into how you might be able to support that, that person in your team to, to deal with, with stress or a particular challenge. Um, then in the APGAR, we have G, of course, as, as the next letter, as the next dimension. And this stands for um, growth tension. So people really feeling overwhelmed or overchallenged by, by the things that they need to get done at work or actually feeling underchallenged. So being overwhelmed or kind of bored, underwhelmed in, in a way. Then we come to the second A in in the stress APGAR, so A for affect control. So affect just being another word for emotion. So this is actually a a key sign for for yourself and others if you're 
stressed or not. So people who are stressed, they become a bit irritable. Um, and, and if it's getting worse and worse, they, they might even have these emotional outbursts. So, and again, you, you can see that even, let's say, you only exchange emails, you don't see each other face to face because of the pandemic, you work mainly um, virtually. You can see if someone is suddenly sending quite short emails now, a bit cynical maybe even, responding quite quickly, whereas in the past they they would write quite considered emails. Now that, that might be a sign that, that something is, is, is going on there. Yeah, red warning flag that stress is becoming a bit too much. And again, it, when everything becomes too much, it becomes quite difficult to regulate our emotions and emotional response. The The last piece in the stress upgar R for relationships is a really important one because, again, relationships are a a key sign. So the deterioration of our relationships is a key sign that stress is an issue, but relationships are also really key for us to manage stress, right? So what happens with with people who are um, overly stressed is they, they start withdrawing themselves. And not not just from from colleagues, let's say, but but also from family and friends. They almost kind of go in, in into a bit of a bubble to protect themselves, yeah, because everything is getting a bit much. Um, but it is those relationships that that help us through challenging times. So if we think about our colleagues, they can give us hands-on help with a challenge. You know, they might have some information or some tools that we don't have. And on the other hand, our friends and of course also our colleagues. They can just listen to us, you know, <laughs> and um, well, what what do we say? Like a, a problem shared is, is just half the, the problem. So just talking to someone, getting that um, emotional support really, really is, is, is a key helping mechanism with stress. So if you keep those um, five areas from the APGAR in mind, you can just as, as we said, just look at someone, listen to someone. You don't need to ask them, are you stressed? Because they will say, I am not stressed. <laughs> That's the response you might get from someone who is right on the edge but doesn't want to admit it. Um, sure. And as I said, it's, it's, it's not a tool to diagnose, but it's something, especially for managers to say, well, how can I make sure my team is okay? What, what, what can I pay attention to, to, to check how they're doing and also think about how I can support them so, so that they're that well and, and can be productive. And equally, it, it's a great tool for you, for you to, to keep in mind as a self-reflection piece to say, hmm, Maybe I, I need to take a step back or just relax uh, tonight. So this APGAR model, uh, you said it could help us with our own self-awareness. D- does it have a, an application, do you think, for things like appraisals or our manager finding out how we're doing, maybe scoring how, how stressed we are? Would you go that far? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> it's so the, the the stress upgar is is not a diagnostic tool, right? So we are, we are not stress experts or medicals or psych, psychotherapists who who can diagnose others. It's it's really a, a tool for you for you to keep in mind. How how can I check in with with my team or with someone who I'm working with? How can I uh, make sure that they're okay and and I know how I can support them? You know, we had quite quite a lot of managers in, in the past coming to us saying, 
well, I, I think there might be something going on with this person. I really want to support them, but I don't really know um, how, how to know <laughs> whether they're stressed or not. Just to recap, we've got A for appearance, P for performance, G for growth tension, A for affect control, and R for relationships. Now, I'm going to ask you also as a doctor, Caroline, then to prescribe a few solutions for some, for some of this. Um, we've called the episode techno stress finding the off switch i think the, the irony is on a lot of modern smartphones there actually isn't an off switch anymore if i've got my iphone it used to be i could just hold down the button on the top and it would turn the phone off now i think you've got to hold the the phone the button on the top right along with the mm -hmm. button the volume control on the top left uh, and if you do that in the correct combination then you, if you're lucky you might get an option to turn the phone off so they they make it as hard as possible if you like to, to disconnect disconnected in one sense um but what possible solutions do you think Caroline there are if we've as you've said even self-identified that we need to take a step back so first of all it, it's about setting your own boundaries and and this is for you to to find out as I mentioned earlier how does this technology work for me right so some people find it really relaxing to scroll through the notifications of what's come up on the news or on social media platform that you're on, that's absolutely fine. Um, whereas others say, I, I need to put the phone away in a different room so, so that it doesn't distract me. So it's, it's really about what do I want to use the, the different technologies for and then be quite, huh, yeah, be quite strict with yourself and in, in, in how you use it. So if I come back to my son, for example, I say to him, you know, we can watch one episode of whatever it is he likes to watch. And then we put this away. And of course, he wants to watch more. <laughs> he would probably watch it all day long. But that, that's not healthy, right? Because he, he then gets exhausted, completely wired. And we are actually, as adults, we are exactly the same. But we don't um, really have that self-control always because, well, there are so many exciting things happening on, on all of these different apps. This is about how, how we use, I, I guess, the technology for our social communication. So, so with family and friends and so forth. At work, it, it's about, again, also asking your manager if it's not clear. What are the expectations around what platform is used for what? What is the response time? To, to be quite clear and, and to avoid... Um, again, this temptation, for example, to, to be on your email all day long and to say, okay, for example, and again, it might work very differently for different people. I check my email in the morning so that I know what's going on. Then again, at lunchtime, in case I've missed something, it's just an example, right? And then I respond to not so important messages or not so urgent messages, let's say in the evening after I've done you know, all of the creative work I, I need to do so it's really about managing your energy throughout your workday and thinking about how the technology helps you with that i think it's also really about um you talked about that switching off the camera and so forth avoiding zoom fatigue because i think the reality yeah. is that yes many of us are now using 
um, video conference calls for for meetings. And even when um, everyone can go back to the office after the pandemic, we will probably have a significant um, chunk of time that we will spend on these video conferencing platforms. So having to to look at yourself <laughs> um, for, for a long time or having other people quite close to, to you is, again, it's not natural, it's exhausting. Yeah? So when do we have someone so close to our face? It's... Um, Again, great, great study. Um, so some people said, well, either when we are mating or fighting with someone, we have them as close to us as, as we have people now every day, almost every minute of our working day on um, our video conferencing tool. So saying, okay, you know, when do I need to have the camera on and when uh, don't I? Can I take maybe some meetings also um, walking? I've done this. This is great, especially if it's yeah, if if it's with with a group of like-minded people, you just put your headphones in, you walk along the river or, or whatever and it's energizing. You get that movement in again which we're lacking now because we're just in front of our computers um all day long. You get some fresh air, you get some sunshine or maybe rain depending on the day. <laughs> but you're still there in the meeting. And um, so it's, it's really about, as I said, thinking about how can the technology help me with the things that I need to get done, not the other way around, which is happening quite a lot now, which is the techno stress is all about that we become almost um, really sucked into this constant yeah, stream of information requests and everything that's happening on um, the Internet. So lots to be thinking about there. Thanks very much. Um, we want to just go now to a question that we're going to ask everybody on this podcast series, Series 3 of Leading Edge. This is as we enter some kind of new normal in the next stage of a pandemic. We're, we're never quite sure uh, where the pandemic will take us, uh, but it's certainly changed behaviour. Uh, what's the one thing that you're going to keep doing, a little discovery, a trick that you can share with us from the pandemic uh, and what's the one thing you can't wait to stop doing? So I started going for regular walks um, at, at very specific times during during the day. Yeah, maybe that shows, you know, a bit of a, <laughs> not a control freak or someone who likes to have everything planned. But um, but what this allowed me, you know, I really got in touch with, with uh, neighbors who live around here that I never talked before. And we have a little chat every day now, which I don't want to miss, you know, and something that um, I can't wait to, to, to stop doing is actually not to travel. So I haven't seen my my family for almost two years now. So being cooped up <laughs> inside or or just being able to move and travel locally, that's something I want to stop. And um, whenever it's possible to, to go and, and see family and friends, I kind of rekindled relationships with close friends back from school. I want to see them. We're going to France, hopefully, hopefully, to see my mother-in-law in two weeks' time. And I can't wait to see her after two years. Well, look, I, I hope you have you make it onto that 
vacation and that when you do meet meet the mother-in-law you, you're not going to be worrying too much about all these emails coming in because you've managed to switch the phone off uh, and actually get a, get a proper break it sounds like one is due so your overall message there really is your tip is get out more uh, and be you know, manage these devices plan the use of them maybe maybe they've been really useful in helping us all manage our lives when we have been cooped up but maybe now it's time to get out in the real world and actually walking and enjoying that can not only uh, be be a useful tool for managing our stress but it's going to improve the quality of our relationships too dr caroline rook assistant professor in leadership at henley business school thanks ever so much for joining us that's been a really fascinating conversation uh, lovely to have you here on leading it thank you very much thomas and I hope you also do switch off your email on vacation. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a go. Okay, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll We've got board. a deal. <laughs> Next time on Leading Edge. You know, we can't actually make the complex simple, but I think we can talk about it more straightforwardly and encourage leaders to really engage with that dynamic patterning and notice what's changing, interpret, and then choose their response. Leading Edge is a Henley Business School podcast. This episode was written and presented by Thomas Mason. Visit hly.ac slash leading edge for more.